CIUT 89.5 Toronto. to have our left lefter leftist panel and yes of course we are doing this remotely hopefully everyone else in toronto and beyond that are listening to this show are also at home doing everything remotely that's the uh that's the urgency of our situation so emma you're at home uh what's it been like let's start there and this of course is emma wakelin who is our uh, our our left uh, panelist Hi everyone. Um, yeah, I am. I am speaking to you from an undisclosed location somewhere in the east end of Toronto. Um, and by undisclosed, I mean my friend Carolyn's apartment, who I'm house sitting for a few weeks. Um, so yeah, I've uh, I've been locked in here since uh, what was the day they announced the schools closing? Closing. So two weeks now, maybe. 13, uh, 15 days. I I've lost track. I don't know what time. year it is anymore. <laughs> but I'm doing okay. I, 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 the isolation is getting a little overwhelming at times, uh, but um, uh, social media perversely helps uh, keeping in touch with friends. And I go for walks, uh, isolated um, walks, but um, just to get out of the house because otherwise I would go start raving mad. Yeah, uh, I think you're expressing what a lot of a lot of people are expressing. I'm hearing on social media. I've um, in my role as clergy, uh, uh, because by the way, you're listening to the Radical Reverend Show, and this is your host, Sherry DeNovo, as you probably uh, heard at the top of the hour. Um, but I'm still clergy, and so I'm putting these prayer requests out there, and what's coming in are, are pretty sad situations. We've had a number of positive uh, diagnoses. We've had a death mm -hmm. um, of a store owner that everyone knew. Um, we've had, in fact, a kidnapping and a murder, not here, but in another country. But again, the family is reeling. So that's what I'm dealing with. Um, and I'm sure we're all, uh, we're all dealing as care mongers with our own circle of associates on social media. Thank God for the internet, Emma. Thank God. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I normally wouldn't say that because I usually hate the internet. But uh, it 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 I've been playing and on a very lighthearted note, I've been playing uh, Dungeons Dragons line with some friends uh, a few games, and it's it's been a lifesaver just to be able to get together six friends online and and escape from the world for for a few hours each. And so yeah, it's. I, I don't know if there's any shame in any way of coping um, how we're coping with this, uh, as long as you know we're not harming ourselves or others. Who cares if we're sitting on the couch in pajamas for 23 hours? Um, if that gets you through the day, do what you need to do. Abs yeah. Absolutely. Now, I, I'm, you know, you are known as a, as a bit of a trans activist in political circles. Emma was, uh, and then I met, by the way, back at Queen's Park days. Um, 
uh, from yes. opposite sides of the aisle, but look, we're friends. <laughs> Possible. Um, we're the best friends. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, um, so in terms of scheduling, and of course, everything has been turned over with good reason to those who are getting diagnosed uh, and to getting our hospital and all systems up to uh, the task of, of absorbing the, the calamity, the pandemic. Um, but there's other stuff going on. I mean, other people, you had surgery potentially slated. Is that uh, being put on hold? What's happening there? Yes, um, the, the, uh, the transurgery clinic in Montreal is temporary, temporarily closed. And I'm sure the same thing here uh, for Women's College Hospital, who just recently started doing surgeries. Um, I'm sure. I I don't know for sure, but I'm I I know for sure that they're probably closed as well. So, um, and and that's tough to um, it, it's it's tough because there's a lot of people who view it as as non life saving um, and uh, all non life quote unquote non life saving um, surgeries have been postponed in Quebec and Ontario. But some of these sur surgeries are not uh, you know not non life saving. I, double negatives. I'm sorry for my English teacher who's listening out there. But um, you know there, there's bariatric surgeries out there that are being postponed. And those I was talking to a um, uh, a person who works in the bariatric clinic at Humber River and some of the decisions are like in, in four or six months when this might all be over and they resume some of these patients will not be in condition that they can actually have surgery anymore and and that will have an impact on their their lifespans uh, in terms of trans surgeries um, we know what the suicide rates are for for people who don't have um, treatment uh, in the trans community it's it can be as high as one in two and uh, trans surgeries uh, there's different numbers from different studies but some studies say that the suicide rate is as low as three percent um, when when somebody has uh, life affirming gender affirming surgery so uh, I understand that yes uh, these surgeries can't take place right now but um, to call them not essential is insulting because uh, there are going to be people who are going to whose lives are going to uh, either be very negatively impacted or, or end because of these um, the ending of these surgeries. So uh, it's heartbreaking to see. Yeah, it is. And uh, lots of light and love to you and everyone else out there who is on the waiting list because you're so right. Um, these are life-saving surgeries. Um, anyway, um, we'll hope that that system uh, lifts it a, a bit. I mean, it should. Um, so let's talk politics. My goodness, as if there's anything else to talk about in political <laughs> circles these days. Um, first and foremost, um, so the government, the federal government has reacted with a number of measures. The provincial government has reacted with a number of measures to COVID-19. Um, what do you think of their reactions and their actions? Yeah, I, I, so far, I, I, I have some reservations that maybe we weren't being bold enough. Um, in, in my ideal world, we would immediately institute a universal basic income for, for everyone in the country. Um, it was a, a test pilot that my former boss, um, bosses, I should say, because I, I worked for the PA uh, in um, Community and Social Services that brought in the, the universal basic income test here in Ontario, uh, which we were all very proud of. And I think had 
Doug, Doug Ford uh, kept his promise not to cancel that program, we might be out of the pilot program and actually into implementing it as a, um, a formal uh, project. Um, and that, that would have alleviated a lot of the stress of people right now who are sitting at home not knowing um, if uh, they're going to be able to go back to work for, for months on end. And uh, yes, the, the bills might be able to pay this month, but what about April? What about May? What if we're in this situation in July? Um, and yes, the federal government has the, they've implemented some EI rules, um, which by the way, EI is incredibly hard to uh, get applied for even in an emergency. And this emergency uh, care program um, with the $2,000 a month is, is, and it's not even $2,000 a month, it's $2,000 minus income tax. So I think it comes to about $1,700. So um, uh, that's not going to, to cut it for a lot of people if this lasts for months. And governments uh, right now have to be bold. Uh, they have to be fearless and they have to know that um, if our economy is going to survive, uh, it, it, it's not because we need billions of dollars to construction companies or, or airlines it's because we gave money to individuals so that they can pay their their mortgages pay their rents pay their their bills get groceries and so that's how our economy will survive that's how our people will survive so deferred tax credits for small businesses might or for large businesses might be great but it can't be the only thing we do right now yeah i i hear you and uh and i've also heard uh from the front lines that just the application process uh, for EI is so bureaucratic, if you can get through in the lines, because we can imagine that all the employees administering these, pro these programs are also having to readjust the way they work and are probably working short-staffed, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So it is, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it immediately dawned on me that, you know, a, a kind of universal guaranteed income, which, by the way, I remember my dad was fighting for this in the freaking 50s. I mean, really, like we've been asking for this for, you know, decades now um it, even conservatives have been asking for this historically speaking because of course in some ways it saves money right um but anyway the, the bottom line is right now we wouldn't be in this situation if that had been in place for everyone um so thank you for highlighting that um it, you know walking down our streets now emma we're looking at like empty storefront after empty storefront um, and I know because once upon a time I was a small business critic that small business is responsible for the vast majority of jobs, not always the best jobs, but um, jobs nonetheless. And so mm -hmm. all those people who are working in restaurants, bartending, a lot of whom get tips and live on their tips, they're all sitting at home too. Um, big business for sure. I think we're, we'll all be on the same page. Hun left, left or leftist, you know, um, now is not <laughs> time for trickle down theories. Now is the time to help people who really desperately no. need help. Um, uh, but what about small business? Um, what do you, what do you see happening there? If anything, both, both governments. Again, um, I, I, I think governments need to be bold right now. Um, it, this is not a time to worry about deficits or, or um, small fiscal, uh, uh, philosophy arguments about um, trickle down or, or, or how the economy should. We, we have small businesses who are not going to survive um, uh, weeks of shutdown without support. They they need to have um, and in in terms of tax deferrals, uh, that's 
great in theory, but who's paying taxes right now? What small business is going is having revenue that, that they can def- they have taxes they need to defer? They need they need income uh, support so they can pay their workers. They need rent support so that they can pay the rent the the insane rent that's in Toronto right now. Um, this, uh, this small business we need to be bold in coming up with ways to um, support our small businesses and, and tax deferrals can't just be the only way we're doing it. And unfortunately, that's what I'm seeing from the provincial government right now. Um, so uh, it, it's scary. I, I, I don't know if, if it's true that this is going to last into the summer or even past the summer. I don't know how our local mom and pop curry shop can, can last that um, or, or the, the convenience store owner. I, I just, I don't know how, yeah. uh, unless we, we get very serious about that. We uh, can see a retail apocalypse, a small business apocalypse. Yeah, yeah, and small business apocalypse, it's good, you can see that as a hashtag. Um, so in, in terms of the trickle up theory, uh, I mean, the, what happens to them, then happens to their landlords, then what happens to their landlords, et cetera, et cetera. I know I thought the whole deferral thing, even for student loans is kind of, I mean, yes, good, better than nothing for sure. But all that's gonna happen is of course in six months time, a big bill is gonna come due um, and uh, and nobody's gonna have the money to pay it. So. You're just really in deferring that. We're really deferring the problem. It seems to me. Although I have to do give a shout out to Doug Ford for taking on Pusateries <laughs> for charging thirty dollars for any wipes. I mean, uh, you know, you know, credit where credits due. I mean, kind of lost it yeah. there for a minute, and I thought, good on you. You know, I mean, this is outrageous, and they're not the only ones doing it, um, of course. Uh, so I mean, somebody has to say something. Um, anything good Agreed. to say about I, Doug yeah. Ford? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought, yeah, I agree with you on that. And I thought he, uh, he, him taking the advice of my friend, Stephen Del Duca to, um, extend, um, the rules to allow, um, uh, ticket restaurants to deliver, um, beer and wine to the homes. I think that's a great idea. And, um, I'm glad that Doug was, uh, was good enough to be able to take advice from 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 someone that wasn't in his cabinet. That was great. Um, yeah, I, I, in terms of what we see down south and the disaster from some Republican governors and uh, the president, uh, Doug uh, has certainly uh, been uh, uh, much better than that. But the bar is low, I guess, uh, for some governors uh, south of the border. Um, I just I think we we need to realize that lives are going to be lost unless governments are bold. So mm-hmm. um, it, we we can't be afraid. We can't be afraid of um, spending a lot of money. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, it, it, a lot of problem with the, even with the rent deferrals and the this uh, credit card deferrals, the interest is still accumulating, and these companies are still going to come back to you in August and say, "Well, you missed four months of interest. You have to pay it right now on your first minimum." Uh, which will will be a disaster itself. So, both the federal government and the provincial government has to ensure that interest is not carried forward, and that you don't uh, need to pay this as a lump sum in August, because no one's going to have money in August, <laughs> or, or any more money in August than they're going to have right now. Yeah, um, and uh, here's a here's a rotten uh, tomato shout out to. Uh, to uh, you know, payday lending companies who are <laughs> charging 350% interest as we speak, uh, and and actually to banks themselves, because the reason people go to payday is that banks won't give them micro loans. So you know, I That's mean, exactly right. I, like it's like we 
Um, we need, I mean, the, the interest rate is zero basically now. Um, so, I mean, why are banks char even charging much more than 1% interest? It's ridiculous. Um, so again, profits are, are the motive there and hopefully um, they pay their taxes after this is all over. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't count on that. And, and if I was, if I was uh, in the executive suites of these uh, these banks, or or God help me, if I work for a payday loan company, um, uh, I would I'd be afraid right now that uh, public opinion uh, will not be favorable um, in a few months when they start getting these bills. And if you want to talk about revolution, uh, that's um, that's I'm sure Alex will uh, want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he will. But I, that, that's exactly when the pressure gets on to the federal government to start passing uh, some pretty um, draconian uh, bank laws. That uh, So they need to start being smart about this, too, and realizing that uh, for their own safety, if, if that's what they want to think about, uh, maybe now is not the time to be robber barons. Uh, on a happier topic for you um, and uh, for many, uh, you worked on uh, Steve Del Duca's campaign to be leader of the did, Ontario yeah. Liberal Party, and he won. I guess there was not a great surprise in that since you did the hard and heavy lifting early yeah. on and had the delegates on your side. So what's he up to? What, what is the role of someone without a seat in opposition? I guess it's not different from somebody with a seat these days since the House is <laughs> sitting. But what's he doing? Yeah, that's the thing. Well, that, it, and uh, that's that's a great point. I, I think we're in extraordinary times, and um, it, it should preference that I, I'm in no position to speak for Stephen, or um, I, I don't work uh, for him. Uh, um, I worked on his campaign, but I don't work for for the party or anything, so I, I can't speak officially. But I know Stephen's out there. Well, not out there. He's in his house with his wife and his kids, but he uh, he's been active on uh, social media, and uh, I know he's been pounding the phones. Um, ensuring that uh, his ideas get out there to um, to the powers that be. Uh, and uh, uh, one of those obviously ideas was um, taken recently up um, by the premier where uh, Stephen had advocated that um, local businesses be able to deliver wine and uh, uh, beer along with their food um, to people. So that's, um, that's a boon for small businesses for sure. So I, I, I think like any leader um, that's out there right now, uh, I know Stephen is is wrapping his brain around uh, these new times we're in, and um, it's important, uh, to, as I, I keep pounding here, to come up with bold ideas. And um, uh, and I know uh, Stephen's been a friend of mine for twenty years. I know how smart he is and how how aggressive he is uh, to for the um, betterment of, of of Ontarians and. Uh, I'm quite proud to see that he's still out there um, every day, even though uh, we're in scary times and trying to come up with ideas to, to get us all through this. Yeah, um, and certainly, uh, by the way, if you're just tuning in, you are listening to, of course, taped remotely, uh, uh, <laughs> the Radical Reverend show here on CIUT 89.5 FM and our left, left or leftist panel always happens this time of month. We've got Emma Wakelin, who is on with us right now, and Emma uh, was uh, a staffer at Queen's Park for the Liberal Party when I was there, and still a friend, and uh, uh, of course, like everybody else, at home <laughs> right now. Uh, and in the second yeah. half, we're going to have Alex Grant from Fight Back um, speaking as well from a Marxist uh, perspective, so stay tuned for that <laughs> in a few minutes. 
Um, so uh, I, I, Emma, Extraordinary Times, absolutely. Um, maybe you can describe, because you know, uh, what what's happening. I mean, if you are an elected member of provincial parliament or quite frankly, an MLA in another province right now, um, you are at home, your constituency office is closed. As you and I know, it doesn't stop the requests and the calls. And in fact, if anything, they're probably increased because people are mm -hmm. um, concerned about a lot of issues. Um, what must it be like for an MPP? I mean, what, what's going on now uh, when they're not sitting at Queen's Park? Because people think when they're not on television at Queen's Park, they're not working. Well, and I'm glad you, you brought that up because that's the one thing working in, in politics for the last 20 years that always kind of um, bugged me is that people always assume that uh, the only work that MPs and MPPs do are uh, in in the legislature. And, and it's not. It's it's I would say that's the smallest part of the, the day. It, um, it, it might be, it, you know, I know each politician I work for and that I've seen works maybe 100 hours plus. Uh, uh, a week and maybe maybe eight to ten of that is in the legislature so um the most important work a, um, a politician does um is constituency work and um in times like these though you're right the volume doesn't go down it goes up um and i'm sure that um MPs and MPPs are sitting at home uh in their home offices uh in constant contact with their staff um who by the way, uh, a shout out to political staff who um, never get shout outs, uh, who also work 100 hour weeks uh, and for extraordinarily little pay. And I can only imagine the stress that they are under right now, having to work from home and hearing the stories. And, and you know, uh, Sherry, you were talking about some of the calls you're getting uh, as, as a person of cloth and as a person of faith. Um, um, and I, I know that they're, they're people working in constituency offices at home that are, are hearing the same stories of people still getting evicted right now, or they don't know where their next uh, meal is coming from because they got laid off and they don't know how to uh, get around the system. And, and that's uh, that's a huge part of constituency work is, is helping people in need navigate the system. And um, I know there's a lot of hardworking public servants out there, um, MPs, MPPs and staff who, uh, are working tirelessly to help people navigate the system to get them the help they need. And uh, in terms of legislate, legislatures, um, I, I think what we're doing right now, sure, we're talking on Zoom um, uh, on this radio show. There's no reason a legislature can't do a meeting of this mag magnitude of uh, a meeting on. The, the, now is not the time when we curtail our. Uh, democratic practices and 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 cost out our traditions of, of parliamentary procedure. Now is the time that we need it. So let's use the technology we have. God bless the internet. Let's use the Zoom to get the legislature back in. There's no reason 120 people can't. We can't find a technology where 120 people can't um, get together on Zoom or or the internet and and debate our uh, laws because oversight still needs to, to be done. Uh, our prime minister learned that last week. I think it was an overreach on his part. Yeah, um, well, to talk about that things. a little bit, because I was going to ask you about that anyway, Emma. There was some criticism of this overreach, um, sort of a wartime powers kind of thing uh, um, that happened federally. Maybe just describe to the listeners, because people may not know exactly what happened, what happened, and then what the reaction was to it. 
So from what my understanding is, and, and I might not know all the details either, I, I've been locked in this house for 14 days, um, but uh, the the Prime Minister uh, had attempted to pass a, um, uh, a bill which included um, uh, a stipulation that allowed the Finance Minister to have complete control over taxation, uh, the sole ability to raise or lower taxes over the next, um, until December 2021, I believe. Um, taking basically oversight of taxation out of the hands of the, the parliament. And that was an overreach. I, 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 I don't think it was done maliciously. Um, I honestly, I, I think the Prime Minister does have the best, he's trying very hard to, to navigate this crisis, but I think uh, that was maybe something they didn't completely think through. Um, and uh, I think rightfully so, the opposition party said no way and uh, made, made the uh, the Prime Minister back down on that. Again, I, I, I say it, this this is precisely why we need oversight. Um, the governments, both provincially and federally, in emergency um, times are given extraordinary uh, powers, and as they should, um, but that power needs to be oversight. Listen, in World War One and World War Two, which were extraordinarily um, existential threats to our nations, we didn't shut down Parliament. Uh, we didn't shut down debate. We, we, we met uh, through those times. In fact, I had a great uncle who was an MPP um, during World War II, and he actually served overseas, but he still ran for re-election during World War II. That's always been sort of a uh, inspiration for me about public service, and uh, now is not the time to sidestep our, uh, our parliaments. Uh, do you think this is going to change the way that parliament is done? Because, I mean, I... I, I, I know, I mean, this idea of like flying into Toronto from Northern Ontario, for example, to meet at Queen's Park and keep an apartment here and have to come and go and come and go, when most MPPs would rather do it by Zoom and be in their constituency offices um, or be back in their ridings. Uh, do you think, uh, you think we'll be meeting, you know, like this uh, only with every member of parliament a little bit more frequently, or will we go right back to the way we've always done things? Gosh, I, I, I like to be optimistic and think that this is, um, a precursor to, to us opening up our democracy a bit more and, and allowing MPPs the flexibility to, to do this from home. Um, but we, you know, uh, some MPPs have to come from, you're, you said Northern Ontario, you're absolutely right, like uh, Jill Bisson, who had to fly in from uh, from Timmins or, or for Denora, and uh, this is a, an extraordinarily large uh, province, and there's no reason that um, you can't do Parliament by vo video um, conferencing. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, it, um, and I, I think liberalizing our voting system is also uh, something we should be looking at to increase democracy. Um, uh, let's use the tools as, as we see fit. Look, we, we criticized the Doug Ford for increasing housing allowance uh, for MPPs, but the reality is that there are MPPs that have to maintain an apartment here in, in Toronto and uh, the rent, you know what the rents are in this city. And um, I, I don't think uh, it, it's smart for us to have to pay thousands of dollars to, for each MPP to keep, uh, that lives outside of Ontario to keep an apartment here for a job that they can do remotely. Um, so I, I hope so. Um, I try to stay optimistic, but um, you never know with, uh, with, uh, with the powers that be. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, 
I'm hopeful that because uh, you can't keep Parliament um, uh, shut down for months. Um, and if they're going to meet by what we're doing now, video conferencing, um, I, I can't imagine there'd be an argument a year from now saying, well, that it's, it was actually a bad idea. We should go back person all the time. So I don't know. So Emma, we just have like a There's minute. a long rambling answer. So no, no, it's I, good. It's a good answer. We just have about a minute left. If you're just tuned in, you're listening to the Radical Reverend Show on CIT 89.5 FM. Of course, taping remotely, like most things are being done these days. Talking to Emma Wakelin, who was Queen's Park staffer for the Liberal Party, worked on Steve Del Duca's campaign successfully, um, and is uh, a panelist on our left left leftist show, which happens once a month and will continue to happen. Um, so Emma, it's just three things maybe that if uh, you were the advisor to Doug Ford, um, you would insist on having happen in the next little while. Anything? Anything come to yeah, mind? Yeah, universal basic income, let's bring that pilot back and not only make it a pilot, but let's make it a, a program for all of Ontario. Let's, um, let's have a, um, let's open up an emergency care um, program, just like the federal government does. As, um, to to ensure that our our small businesses are protected and our um, not just our big businesses, and uh, let's video conference in our parliament. Um, I think that needs to be done. And and before I go, let me just say one thing, Sherry, because um, uh, thank you for you've reached out to me a number of times uh, when I felt down on social media, and I think it's important that right now, uh, if our 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 friends, we're all hurting, so reach out. Um, and, and, and send a message of love um, to, to your friends online, uh, email them, uh, message them, because we all need it right now. Absolutely. Thank That's you so, thank you so much, Emma. And take care. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. For sure. Bye, Sherry. CIUT 89.5, Toronto. So we're back on the Radical Reverend Show. Of course, we are taping this remotely. Uh, we're at home, as you should be as well. Uh, and this time uh, on Left, Left or Leftist, we're talking to Alice Grant, our regular participant, uh, member of Fight Back. Uh, and we're going to be talking about all things political and, of course, what else? Uh, COVID-19 and the pandemic's effect on everything. Um, so first of all, Alex, what are you doing? How's your family? How, you know, your father, what's that look like? Yeah, we're hanging in there. Um, so uh, my boy actually does uh, an hour over Skype with his, uh, 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 with his gran uh, doing uh, various math problems. And then we've got him watching uh, documentaries and doing a bit of exercise. Uh, it's not school, but it's uh, at least some structure. And, and my partner's working from home too. So uh, we've only got a small place, so it gets a little cramped occasionally, but we're surviving. And we have toilet paper. <laughs> There's always that. Um, have you got him reading like a, you know, a, a sort of primer version of Des Capital yet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, uh, my uh, children rebel. Uh, so if you try to indoctrinate <laughs> them, they will go the other way. So I'm letting him find his own path. Cool. So you should have, have him read uh, conservative tracks then. Yes. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about politics. Uh, obviously, the entire world has changed since the last time we spoke and who, I don't think anybody really saw this coming um, and its effects have been all over the map. Uh, and so I asked Emma this in the first half hour and I said, you know, what, you know, really, uh, 
what has the government done that's good? What has the government done that's not so good? Basically, what should the government do, be doing? And by government, we're talking federally and provincially here, and in fact, the city too, if you want to throw that in. Well, there's been a criminally uh, irresponsible lack of action, and they've shown themselves consistently to put profit before people. It's, it's the consistent, all the delays, all the inability of action, the fact that, and if you like, this can go back all the way to the 1980s, that in the 1980s, there was more than six and a half beds per a thousand uh, Canadians. But with decades of austerity, with liberal governments, conservative governments, um, some NDP governments, uh, it's now gone down to it's barely above 2.5 beds per head of population, per thousand. And uh, that's uh, half of what is actually needed. And the same thing with ventilators, nurses. So they're, they're woefully unprepared. And then in, in the middle of this crisis, again, it's, it's delaying and trying to maintain profits and, uh, and not uh, do stuff for people. And, and so the good things that they've done have all been under pressure and too late. But the people who are getting infected right now are due to the inaction from two weeks ago. So actually, I don't really give them much credit for anything because it's because people are screaming for them to give various forms of, of paid leave. Uh, and, uh, and, and they only did it with much delay and thousands and thousands more people are getting uh, infected while they delay. So what about this idea of a universal guaranteed income? Would that have solved our problems if we had had that in place where, you know, the, the fallback is nobody can earn less than, say, 2000 a month, um, and let's hope that that's net. Um, uh, and, uh, and that at, at times of a crisis like this, or for whatever reason, in personal crisis or generic crisis, that it just you can fall below that. And of course, if you get make a lot more than that, you get taxed back. What about that idea? Um, well, it's better than nothing. They're, they've been eroding sick pay. The Ford government, especially, has been eroding sick pay and people coming in, you know, being forced to come into work sick. People, we're now seeing the societal effects of that. Uh, I've been critical of uh, universal basic income as it, it's either, the, the way it's implemented is either utopian or reactionary. On the one side, the right wing, there's right wingers who support UBI. And what they see it is you eradicate all social programs and take that money and just give it out to people as a lump sum. That's obviously reactionary. But then there's the other side is, okay, you give people this money, but you maintain social programs. Well, where's under capitalism, where's the money going to come from for that? Because, and, and having massive taxation like that, to actually fund that, then uh, the big business isn't going to invest. So uh, the only way you'd get that money is if you took over, you nationalized, you expropriated the banks and the main businesses. But then why would, if, uh, if this has been run uh, by the working class democratically, if production's been running that way, we don't want a bunch of people unemployed. Actually, we want everybody working and being productive and we'll provide the education and the conditions so everybody could work. So you wouldn't need a basic income. The only people who aren't working is if you're too young, too old or too sick. Um, so I, I see it. Yeah, it's, it's either reactionary or utopian. Okay. Um, it, but in terms of eroding social programs or getting rid of social programs, it, 
and wouldn't it be a good thing to get rid of our, you know, social assistance? I mean, uh, first of all, social assistance is woefully inadequate. I mean, this would, mm -hmm. if they were, if people are given 2000 a month, it would probably triple most people's income on OW. Um, and then on ODSP, um, you know, we're keeping, which is outrageous and immoral, uh, people with uh, disabilities below the poverty line. So this would at least raise them to, mm, more or less the poverty line at 2000 a month. So getting rid of just those two systems, um, wouldn't that be a good thing? Just- Well, I, I entirely agree with I, I, like, And it's not the revolution, yes. I'm, I'm giving you that, yeah, but yeah. I mean, it, but yeah, certainly yeah. It, would have, it would have precluded all of this insanity of having to wait and catch up and deferrals and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, I entirely agree with raising the rates. Uh, actually, Ontario Coalition Against Poverty has done some uh, good work on this in that, yes, fight to raise the rate, rates, but they themselves have been uh, crit critical of uh, basic income, that it, in a lot of ways it ends up subsidizing low pay by delinquent employers, right? So, it's, so we need to demand that the capitalists pay the due, that if they're going to hire people and make profits out of them, they pay decent wages, mm -hmm with union rights and decent conditions, rather than them being paid, uh, uh, them paying minimum wage or less than minimum wage and being bailed out by the government. Got it. So, and I think that's a very important point there. Yes. That uh, actually, that is the point because, just to explain it to listeners out there, because um, you, you very well, without the right things in place, you would very well get uh, capitals depending on that 2000 a month. And basically what Walmart does already with, yes. you know, food stamps in the States, uh, which is deplorable. Um, so let's like, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because all the news now is about COVID and, and of course, that's what people are thinking about. We're all stuck at home. Nobody's working. The economy is crashing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but other, other things are happening too, which are not getting any press. And for example, I mean, when we were last talking on left, left, leftist, um, we were talking about the Wet'suwet'en out in the, on the in BC coast, standing up against the RCMP. You know, and, and the, my concern, and I, I think I'm not alone here, is what's happening there? Are, you know, uh, are they still doing that? I mean, where is that struggle? Where is the, and you, you brought up the, the lockout that's happening on the prairies. So maybe you could just talk about some of the other things that are happening in this country while we're all so focused on the pandemic. Yeah. Uh the, in terms of Wet'suwet'en, uh, they're, they're still building that pipeline in a work camp with, I, I bet you there's no social distancing there. And the same thing in terms of the, um, uh, yeah, the co-op uh, lockout in uh, Manitoba that uh, they, in, sorry, Regina, Saskatchewan, um, they uh, actually, the, they had a mediator put forward a proposal which was not a good proposal for the workers, gave away major concessions uh, to the company, and then, uh, and, but the union reluctantly accepted it, and the company said, no, we're not going to even accept that. We want total capitulation. And they're maintaining these scab camps inside the plant, 
Uh, and, and anybody, and there's actually local, local hospitals have said this is a disaster waiting to happen. And if a single one of those uh, replacement workers, scabs, gets uh, COVID, it's going to spread like wildfire there and, and overload the local hospital. So, um, yeah, th these things are continuing. And uh, although it does make it you know, uh, very difficult to organize protests, that uh, it's not as if we're going to have mass demonstrations uh, during this lockdown period, but um, but actually people have raised the the issue of rent strikes and stay at home sick-ins and stay-home strikes uh, as ways to leverage uh, social power. Yes, uh, to, to you talk about demonstrations, um, pretty depressing also for the climate justice movement who were going to have a mass one in early April. Mm -hmm. Clearly, that's not going to happen. Just about everything is getting canceled. Um, so online, I mean, you know, there was that term that was bandied about many years ago called slacktivism. Now we're kind of, <laughs> now we're kind of, you know, doomed to it in a sense. In another sense, maybe, um, you know, maybe this is the great new way of organizing that it's going to be online. Um, and absolutely, uh, maybe the people who are at home now, um, because they have to be, might just not go back. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it has some interesting implications. So to be maybe positive for a moment, um, does this put us closer to revolution or not? <laughs> I think it does, actually. Uh, it's, a, it's an old Marx quote, but social conditions determine social consciousness. And you know, I, the most common uh, argument against uh, socialism or revolution that I hear is, well, that's all well and good and that sounds nice, but that's never going to happen because people like the status quo. Well, the status quo has been swept off the map. And uh, there's another good Marxist quote by Rosa Luxemburg of socialism or barbarism. And we're seeing that barbarism now. Thousands of people have already died. Potentially millions of people are going to die due to the mismanagement of the capitalist state and the corporations existing that people work for profit reasons uh, when uh, they are not essential services. And that affects mass consciousness. If, pe if people know, pe if you know, if your friends or family end up being put in the hospital and, and God forbid dying because of this, you are going to be prepared to get up and fight like you hadn't before because you were happy with the status quo. But people now cannot stomach the status quo because it's a life or death question. But isn't, you know, uh, you know, again, um, it's, it was difficult to see this coming, even for those uh, who are in the field and who are experts, because it came on so quickly um uh and you know of course i'm not going to bring up and, and i can imagine out there in listener land by the way I, you're listening to the radical reverend show i'm sherry Genova, the host i'm talking to alex grant a member of Mar uh, fight back and marxist um about um left left or leftism now in the age of the pandemic um but in states for example because listeners will be thinking well what about china you know what it, this is supposedly a socialist state um where all you know there were a lot of civil liberties um and i wanted to get on to civil liberties during this mm -hmm. period as well which is a big issue um of course they can march in and shut it down a lot quicker because they can just tell people to stay home and and enforce it with the most draconian measures um 
So, so, and I'll, I, I'll, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I'll say that's not what socialism should look no, like. No. <laughs> um, but just to allay, you know, that that concern, which I'm sure will come come to me, if not to you, Alex. Um, at any rate, um, the, the, but people, you know, healthcare professionals didn't see this. I mean, this is at the end of the day a healthcare issue. And I get that we have had cutbacks and austerity. In fact, Ontario per uh, patient is the worst funded of even of all of our provinces in terms of per capita funding for healthcare, as it is for education too, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, so yes, and, and I'm hearing from, from people on the front lines, ICUs and, and emergency rooms who are saying, and we're saying two weeks ago, we don't have enough supplies, we're, we, we're already overstretched and nothing, you know, nothing dramatic has happened even yet. And now that it is starting to happen, we're woefully inadequately funded and staffed because healthcare professionals yes. get sick too. Um, how would that be different? I mean, um, someone might say, well, how would that be different? This was after all uh, a pandemic, which really doesn't care about ideology and you know, nobody saw coming, uh, very few. Well, I'll give you an example. When it became apparent, uh, yeah, I've already raised the massive un underfunding and the uh, lack of preparedness and the fact the hallway healthcare that hospitals in Ontario re regularly run at 105% of capacity in normal times, uh, not these disasters, uh, where they're supposed to run at 80% of capacity in order to have that excess capacity to uh, cope with crises. But uh, even but in the last few weeks, when it became apparent what we're in the middle of, what was the reaction of government? Uh, just about uh, just over two weeks ago, the first announcement by the Trudeau government was $10 billion, $10 billion of corporate bailouts, money to the banks, and $5 million of uh, a minor reform to employment insurance. So half of 1% to workers, everything else to the capitalists. And that has been the consistent approach. That has been the consistent approach of prioritizing profits over people. What would socialists do differently? We would produce for need and not for profit and put people first. That there needs to be, one, uh, the shutting down of all non-essential work. If you cannot work from home, and you are not in healthcare or food production or uh, power or water, uh, that the genuine essential services, then that needs to be closed down. They're, they're, still, they're still building condos and those workers don't have hand washing facilities, don't have alcohol uh, to clean their hands. Then they all work in side by side. It's disgusting. Um, so we would institute uh, closed down non-essential and you cannot, you know, Ford announced that and it's like, oh my God, Ford's actually doing something good. Uh, actually, Ford has been better than the BCNDP. The BCNDP has been criminally irresponsible. Ford announced um, a moratorium of evictions like a week or two before the BCNDP. Uh, who, 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 that's one of the reasons BC's got one of the highest rates of infection. And, uh, but anyway, Ford announced uh, closing non-essential production, but then the list came down and it was ridiculous. It was, you know, uh, absolutely everything was exempted. Um, so 
put things under workers' control, control of working class people, working class people will know what is essential. And building condos, not essential. And, and for those uh, workers in essential services, they should be getting double hazard pay and every single possible method of protection imaginable needs to be mobilized. And those of us who are forced out of work should, be, should receive full pay. Uh, this is a health and safety issue, absolutely vital. Nobody should be uh, have a reduction and the loss of their pay. Everyone should be able to pay their rent and survive. And a socialist society could turn that on. And, and, and I may add that China is not socialist and, and isn't even socialist like it used to be social, you know, uh, that distorted now a Stalinist mm -hmm. version. Uh, it, it is now a fully capitalist state. Mm -hmm. um yeah, I mean, when, one of the most egregious examples of capital success, excess here, are the fact that uh, payday lending companies are considered an essential service and are charging 350% interest as, of oh, course, no, they're no, preying no. on the, the, uh, the poorest and the most vulnerable. And banks, um, uh, of course, are still going ahead with interest payments, even though they're, you know, they're making a profit and the interest, the real interest rate is almost zero. They could be charging 1% and still make money and they're not, and neither are credit card companies. So this idea of deferring uh, payments is nonsense because in six months, nobody's going to be able to pay it then either, especially as it's doubling um, by then, uh, whatever debt they have. So, I mean, this seems to me a situation, especially with our big banks who are paying much in the way of taxes anyway, uh, and really do make a lot of money um, where the government could step in um, and actually do something fairly dramatic um, right now and clearly are not doing so, neither federal uh, government nor provincial. And interesting, you should say that about the, the BC NDP. Never been a fan of theirs anyway. Um, I mean, if, if you're looking at the, the gas line and the, and the struggles of Aboriginals out there um, mm -hmm. and the complete hypocrisy of them passing the United Nations uh, rights of, you know, Indigenous Peoples Act and then turning around and, and um, you know, demanding that well, uh, their well, land well, be going done more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I was going to say. So it, it is interesting that you should say Ford has done more, um, and um, absolutely now. Now, so but let's get back to the reaction to all this because, as you say, I don't think we have seen a worse time, certainly in my lifetime in this country, in terms of. Uh, both civil rights being taken away, essentially, um, um, and the, the federal government trying to to move even more in that direction, but um, but and most people sort of accepting um, that you know refugees uh, are turned away at the border and sent back to the United States, um, that there might be even despite the hue and cry troops at the borders, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what can people do about it? I mean, I think people are feeling a little helpless. They're stuck at home. They're scrambling to get necessities of life. Um, they're trying not to get sick and die. Um, what, what can we do? Well, we, well, yes, we can't organize mass demonstrations uh, that uh, in, in this period, although this period will end. Uh, I, 
hope sooner rather than later, but it will end. Humanity will survive. Um, but I guess that there are two good tactics in order to exert pressure in terms of uh, stay home strikes, stick-ins. In fact, uh, Service Canada uh, offices had just, just got closed today and the media is suppressing this but they were closed because there was a massive sick out by the workers. Really? And yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they, they totally suppressed that. And, but there was a massive sick out for the workers because there was queues of people lining up to uh, sign up for, for AI. And the workers were saying, hell no, we're not um, exposing ourselves to that. Uh, so they correctly did a sick out and now it's all online and by phone, uh, which is correct. Um, so a, a, a stay home strike and rent strikes. And, and I think rent strikes, when they occur, they should actually be linked to political demands, like full pay for those, uh, uh, full pay and hazard pay for those in essential services and, uh, and various other, uh, and, and the necessary protective equipment for everybody. So it should be absolutely uh, linked to that. So that's what can be done. In terms of civil liberties, yet yeah, you, you cannot trust the government that is cracking down on individuals and refugees, but then allows condo construction to continue. The hypocrisy is immense. So deciding what is reasonable limitations on movement, well, that has to be done by working class people and working class organization, not the capitalist state who do it for their interests and always create the exemptions for their profits. Now, of course, there's that there would have to be some uh, every society in facing this pandemic will have to limit movement. Uh, that's that's a basic health reality. But for who? Movement for who and movement for why? And uh, and what are we protecting? Are we protecting people? Are we protecting profits? I said homelessness is a related issue that um, very little is being done for the homeless. And there are thousands of empty condos in Toronto and uh, that hotel beds <laughs> and hotel beds that are, are totally unused and and uh, whereas you're forcing homeless people into these shel shelters like sardines they are public health uh, nightmare uh, for themselves yes but for for whole of society so give every homeless family a, a, a condo that's what i say there's enough condos out there seize them they're, they're just being held for um uh, speculating purposes give them a condo give them a, the uh, and give them a decent meal um, one question I have and we don't have a lot of time left but is about the union involvement here if we're going to do sick out strikes and rent strikes etc cetera, etc cetera, um, what are our unions doing what are what's union leadership doing it's criminal inaction total inaction the Canadian Labour Congress at the beginning of the uh, the crisis issued a statement that said nothing except they working hand-in-hand hand with employers and government utter uh, abrogation of leadership uh, the federal NDP uh, Jagmeet Singh's first statement was welcoming uh, Trudeau's um, barely sufficient action, insufficient action, and just saying, oh, maybe we need a little bit more for small businesses. Uh, terrible. If one major union leader got up and said, uh, everybody should stay home for uh, until we get genuine um, shutting down of non-essential workplaces and everybody gets full pay, 
then it would have mass support. But I, I think a lot of these union leaders are afraid of saying something like that for the, for the fear that it would actually be popular and they would start up a mass movement. That, and so it, it's small grassroots movements like Fight Back. Uh, there's a, a Park Day Heart Pipe Park. There's a Rent Strike movement there. Um, so there's like sp small spontaneous movements uh, popping up and, and workers themselves just uh, walking out in anger, but it's got no leadership. Uh, and, and people are gonna be, when this is all over and done with, really angry at their, their leaderships for, it, for their inaction. Yeah, I, I, I pick up a little bit of that on social media already, um, certainly with obvious things like keeping payday lending open um, <laughs> as an essential service. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it's outrageous. Um, so, um, so what can the rank and file, what can workers within those unions do to maybe turn this leadership issue around? And for that matter, uh, you know, in the NDP, in, in even the Green Party, if it turns a little left, what would you advise them to do to get their leadership back on track? Well, I, th I think you can have a go at them online. Uh, you can uh, phone them up and tell them. But to be honest, actually, I think that's a task for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, people, people are surviving today. And, and, and yes, we have to demand our, our leadership act, but it's not as if there's a union meeting you could go to and pass a resolution. Or well, they're like having that. them. They're just having them by Zoom. They're having them oh, online okay. for having them. Yeah, that's happening, um, uh, as it is in many workplaces. Um, but I mean, I, I, I'll chime in here and just say, I, there's no time like the present. You're sitting at home. Here's something you can do. Talk to your leader and maybe demand some more True. action than we're getting. Yeah. Um, but I, but I think people do need to work on the ground too. As well. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yes. Well, um, again, thank you uh, for participating. Thank you for what you do um, out there in listener land. We're also interested in hearing from you. I'm, of course, on Facebook, um, email, Insta Instagram, uh, uh, Twitter, you name it. You can contact me. Let me know about this show and other shows. It will, of course, be airing at our regular time, and I will... I'll put this out there on Monday. It will be Monday 4 to 5 p.m. that you will be listening to this, even though we are taping earlier than that. So let us know your ideas for upcoming shows, and we will be back, of course, the same time next month with this particular panel and left, left, or leftists. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks, Alex, for taking part. Thanks, Sherry. Bye-bye. Trouble so hard, don't nobody know my trouble but God. Don't nobody know my trouble but God. Oh, Lord, trouble so hard. Oh, Lord, trouble so hard, don't nobody know.